0: Well, welcome back to It's Still Good on Tuesday. We are glad that you are along today, and uh, we hope that your day is going well, and we appreciate you joining us for our podcast. As we begin another conversation, where uh, we're talking about the book of Titus, the little letter of Titus. If you uh, would like to follow along in your Bible, we're in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 today. So again, we're glad you're along, and uh, we're going to enjoy this time of talking together about God's Word. Guys, so Titus chapter 3,
1: mm-hmm.
0: talking about culture. How do we, as a church, how do we, and not just as a church individually, singularly, but as the church, how should the church interact with the couple, with, with the culture? I'm, um, I'm reading a book right now called by Rod Dreyer called uh, Live No More Lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or live not by lies. I'm sorry, and that book uh, is a is a is a warning about you know how churches can be seduced into culture, and mm-hmm. uh, he he works really through the Soviet churches, the, you know, and and how the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Communism basically came in and, and began to encroach and moved into totalitarianism all you know this kind of thing So it's an interesting it's an interesting read. It's it's uh, you know, it's oddly scarily Kind of familiar, you know, we're seeing some of those themes working out some in our nation So, you know, we're always in this tense relationship with culture. Do we you know, do we bless what the culture is doing? Do we try to get along? Do we stand away from it? Uh, and throw rocks at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and all of that has to do that, that our our thinking about that has to do with how we relate to people. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I think I used the term yesterday. you know do we do we see people as enemy combatants or do we see people as as you know created beings that God loved mm-hmm. and uh, made His image? How do mm-hmm. we relate to people? So you've got some extremes. We'll talk about that. But this is what Titus uh, was told by Paul. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he was said, and Paul said, Remind them, remind the church, remind the people to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, this is part one of three parts of how to, you know, how do we as people, how do we engage, how do we relate to a changing culture, and our culture mm-hmm. has changed radically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is the main thing that's brought change in our culture?
1: Ooh, that's hard to pin down because <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got a vernacular that we didn't even have 10 years ago. Okay, there's so words
0: languages. Well, there's words
1: that we're even talking about that no one considered because you know, moving from more or less modernity, there was a right, there was a wrong, there was reality, there was all only empirical evidence. And now it's moved to more like, how do you feel about reality? And so like, it, it's really complicated to have a conversation with somebody about the culture when they have this perceived reality, that's not really reality. And then there's the other perception. And so So now it's all about, like, whatever your reality is is yours and whatever my reality is mine. And so So we can't even have
0: the conversation. Yeah, there's no foundation uh, even to, like,
1: have conversation across anymore. Yeah. And that's been a challenge for me. What do you see, Dan?
2: Um, Well, especially, I think, in the last three to five years, I mean, the biggest, I think the biggest change has just been the... um, how, how people have wanted to just divide everybody you know that depending on mm-hmm. on different mm-hmm. topics and different yeah. things like you know there's there's almost no middle ground there's mm-hmm. no place for healthy conversations it's like you're either on, you're either with me or you're against me mm-hmm. you're either on this side or, or you either love or you hate like there's there's just this this great divide in our in our culture and especially in our country and um, so that I think, uh, obviously, we, we talk a lot, um, especially with our, our teenagers and our students and this next generation about about truth and what is truth. And I agree with Jason that it, that if you look back over the last 20 or 30 years, that's probably been the biggest change. But in the last three to five, um, just, just how divisive, you can't even have a, a healthy conversation yeah. on either side of an issue, any issue, without... It, you know, it being a personal attack. Yeah, people are,
0: are on a hair trigger with
2: yeah. anger
0: mm-hmm. and, and yeah. just, you know, ready to be offended. They're, they're just mm-hmm. sitting in a posture of just waiting to hear something that offends. You know, and I don't know how much of that, again, loops back into Internet issues, how much of that that, you know, loops into, you know, because if you yeah. if you don't have anything to say, get on the Internet and say something angry and people will like it. You yeah. know, it, right. you don't have to have a message to communicate. Just be angry. Yeah. You know, the fact that you are—it doesn't even have is, to be
1: accurate. You can just no, make no, up right. something. Exactly and, and, right. and people are going to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. You know.
0: And and the problem again with the internet is that anybody can say anything. Anybody mm-hmm. can be a celebrity for a moment on the internet. You mm-hmm. can put a blog up. You can put a podcast up. Or, you know, <laughs> you can do any number of things. I mean, anybody can do it. Sure. Uh, write a book. You know, and put it yeah. on the internet. Or yeah. you know, write a, record a song. So there's there's no filter everything goes onto the internet now and again but what we've I think what people have learned is if you're angry if you're you know if there's something volatile and something that that incites people emotionally Mm -hmm. you know to feel a certain way about something even anger Mm -hmm. uh, then that it's you know let's do that let's let's pull that up and and so we're seeing a lot of that and that feeds into the into the divisiveness I think of our country and and, uh, You know, even this, what Paul's saying here uh, is controversial to our day, but it's also, you know, we we can't imagine, I don't think, how controversial these words were in in the day that Titus brought them, you know, when he spoke them. Because this is a, you know, this was a hot button. You know, how do we relate to a government that we don't agree with? How do we relate to a government that is... More than that, that is determined to stamp us out. Mm-hmm. Press and and how do we you know as it says in First Timothy chapter two? How do we pray for kings and leaders and those in authority? How do we do that? Yeah. When the king is Caesar, when the king is a man who you know maybe maybe burnt a relative of yours alive because yeah. of their faith. So what do you you know? How do you do that? How do you work that through? Um, You know the the reality was again i think i said this yesterday too or um, on the in the sermon i uh i know that that roman citizens were required by law to offer incense and even even uh as a as a passport to get into a city you know people were required doesn't matter if you're a citizen or not you were required to do this Hmm. uh the annual visit to the altar was required of citizens you had to show that you had done that and that's just like paying your taxes every year you're going to I'm going to give my loyalty to Caesar here Uh, slaves were not mandated to do that because they weren't citizens because they weren't people so they you know they didn't have to do that because they were not citizens this was not part of their citizenship requirement so uh, at least that's what I read somewhere I didn't (laughs) <laughs> I can sure to pick that up, but it but you know, but still for the most part, if you were a property owner, if you were mm-hmm. you know, if you were a professional person or you were a craftsman in, in Rome, you would yeah. you would have to do that.
1: Well and that was an issue, particularly in the early church under Domitian. You know, they were yeah. required to do that and then Domitian dies, right? And so then the 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 intensity of the persecution on the Christians lifts. And so then you have this issue of the people who did profess Christ, the yeah. the yeah. martyrs, the professors, mm-hmm. but then the other people who recanted in order to save their life. Mm-hmm. And the church almost wouldn't even let people back in yeah. because it's like, no, you you cowed down. Yeah, you gave in to that, that government. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're just yeah. in this yeah. infighting now in the church of like, you know, who's, who's your biggest God? Is it Caesar or is it mm-hmm. Jesus? And I feel like that's the tension that somewhat we're in with the church because you've got the cultural isms, and we need to like, in somewhat engage that culture, but at what point is it too far, to where the other Christians are like, oh, you're you're a recanter, you've you've bowed down to the culture, and then now even within the church there's this argument of, you know, what is too far, what's uncomfortable, yeah. what's acceptable before Christ, and it's a really hard line. Yeah. To walk.
0: So again, but but you know, my my point I was trying to make with this yesterday or the other day was. This is a cultural battle that they were. This was how they. This was how they were deciding. How do we relate to the culture? How do we, you know? And they could have gotten. You know, they could have become insurrectionists. They could have become arsonists. They could have become. And there were and there were zealots in mm-hmm. their number. Right. Uh, yeah. Jesus, Jesus had a couple with his disciples. You know yeah. that were, that that you know. Let's let's draw swords. Let's go. You yeah. know. Let's go after them, And and, uh, and there were people who were ready to take up arms and go. Let's let's do this. You know and uh, so you know there's there's again all of that is a reaction to culture all of that you cannot not react you're you're in a culture yeah okay you're in a culture uh dave and i uh, went to the opening of a new coffee shop in mandarin uh, back in the summer we we actually had started a relationship with the young man that owns the shop and started talking to him and made really good coffee and we just you know got in some really great conversations he knew some of the shops we'd gone to and just you know we're talking about that and then and then you know he found out I was a pastor and but he he invited us to his grand opening he wanted to see you know he specifically invited said would you guys come to the grand opening mm. sure. so we we left we went and uh, and he uh, it, it was it was a cultural experience for me uh, I wound up in a subculture that I didn't know existed in Mandarin <laughs> um, First of all, I mean, it probably needs to be said. First of all, uh, I was no doubt the grandfather there. I was the oldest person there. I mean, there was no question. Nobody was even in the same decade as me, maybe the same generation, I'm not sure. But it was, you know, there were there were a lot of younger people and me. <laughs> uh, Dave and I were two of a handful of normal-looking people in terms of our hair is not dyed or you know, we are not covered with tattoos or with, well, and and you could pretty much identify our gender, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I realized then this is this is a soap this is a culture
1: mm-hmm.
0: in Mandarin. I didn't again didn't know it was here. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit, staff. You know, I, there I don't know of a church. I mean, uh, you take the hippest, most on the edge church out there. I don't know of a church that will be able to reach that culture. Don't know. Of how would you do that? And, and so there was, you know, there was all of that was going, you know, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm thinking this, this is a cultural issue. This is a cultural battle that we don't know how to fight. We don't even know. We don't even know what the war is in that situation, but we have to figure out how do we relate even to that kind of culture? That's so different from us. And, and if they came in to the church, you know, we would probably have to coach folks a little bit to say, "Hey, listen, there, there's some folks coming in, and and you know they're they're going to have green and purple and blue hair, and probably on the same person. And you just you know just welcome them, up and let them come on in, and it's okay. Yeah. But it's you know again, this is what's happened. The culture is changing, and you know it's challenging us. I think in terms of how we typically have done outreach, how we do evangelism, mm-hmm. and how do you how do you relate to and love that that part of
1: the culture you know so so anyway but uh, so I guess that's where I would have a slightly different maybe perspective to add to it is you know the church is for Christian people mm-hmm. it, we are the is the people yeah. Yeah. right so to invite lost people to the church you can do it but they're gonna feel out of place yes, because they're exactly. not part yes. of the assembly well exactly
0: and I, that's what so, I thought as I was standing there at that coffee shop with 15 you know 150 200 kids there I never felt so outplayed. I thought, yeah, I don't belong here. I don't fit
1: here. You're not part of that subgroup. That's not my culture. Well, they would feel the same thing. They're not part of our subgroup. And part of, you know, the gospel is, you know, repent and turn. And, And I'm not saying that it's like, you know, purple and green hair is part of that list. But there are some things that in order to be part of that, you know, the subgroup, which is the church, there's some things you have to leave behind. And so in some ways, saying "Hey, you come just as you are to our church," they're they're going to be like, "Do I fit in?" No, mm-hmm. no, you won't. You yeah. won't fit in yeah. because you're not, you know, part of us. Yeah. But that doesn't mean yeah. you're not welcome. Mm-hmm. And, and communicating that is a challenge, especially when some of them have chosen specifically to be like diametrically opposed yeah. to what we say. Yeah. So, so some of that is it, hard. Um, but I look at, you know, where Jesus went. Jesus went to places that were diametrically opposed, opposed to the religious establishment. And that's actually what got him in trouble with mm-hmm. the religious yeah. establishment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so being that friend of sinners, I think is kind of the hardest, one of the hardest things for many Christians yeah. to learn to do. Yeah.
0: And and then, and letting sin be defined not as somebody being different than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to strip away culture and just go, so, you know, where, where are these human beings? You know, they look different. They, they look odd to me. But when you strip the cultural markings away, what do we have here? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, that, that's, a, that's a hard thing. We, we have to figure out how to relate to people beyond just that cultural veneer that, that we're all going to pick up. Somebody You know, you guys mm. have a, you know, we're, we're all in a subculture. Right. We're we're in a subculture as a church. Right. right. We have our own mm-hmm. as some people said Christian ghetto. You know, we've got our own you know, we're locked into these walls of how we think about the world and how we think about life. And that's okay. I mean you're gonna do that, that's human nature, but it works against the gospel, it works against evangelism, mm-hmm. it works against, you know, being able to get beyond that.
2: So, so is a lot of this passage, you know, just reminding the believers that you know this culture is watching how you react and what you a, say yeah, and what yeah. you say to each other mm-hmm. yeah and, um, and that's
0: and, and it's challenging because of that because it is these are things they their their go to would be oppose rulers in the mm-hmm. or give mm-hmm. them a hard time uh, whether that's your that that's a governor or a soldier or you know a soldier that's making you carry his pack mm-hmm. because that was Roman law at that time. Uh, or that was a boss that didn't understand you or a, a you know, slave and master relationship where the master is not kind. Those kind of things, you know, you would, you would push back against that kind mm-hmm. of authority. But Paul's saying, no, you know, he's not. It's easy to be submissive. You know, if you really like the president, you really like, you know, your mm-hmm. governor, you really right. like those kind of leaders, man, I'll wear your T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm for you. Mm-hmm. But when you don't like them, that's when you need this command. Yeah. You know, you better be. You need to be submissive to rulers and authorities, even understanding that some of them are not going to be on your side, and they're not mm-hmm. going to be on the same page with them. But you do that anyway, because again, yeah. this is how the culture the culture will right. look at you. I,
2: I think I think a lot of Christians have heard these verses before mm-hmm. and have read yeah. them yeah. in in a a teaching kind of way. Of oh, this is how a Christian is to act but have, do they really understand the reason why mm-hmm. like why do I need to be submissive to an, a government or authority that I don't agree Tell with us why. well I think that's the conversation we're saying is that it it affects our witness when we mm-hmm. are you know doing that and I think that's a, it's a really hard thing for for Christians to understand where is the line that I hold like you mentioned in the beginning that I'm not for some of these things that the government is for that other people are saying but that I'm still required by, by God by Christ to, you know, to submit to the government, submit to authorities, and so because of why, like, what's the purpose? And you got to think about it from a, from a heavenly perspective, right? We don't, you know, we don't obey all of the government's mandates just so that we are an A plus citizen. Mm-hmm. It is for the purpose of the gospel, because we are just here for a short time, and then we will be in our eternal home. And so we don't need to get straight A's in our citizenship report card to get into heaven. or it's, It's merely for the opportunity to witness. And so we have to be careful that the things that we're saying on social media, we're saying to our neighbors, are not in some ways putting up a barrier to us presenting the reason why. We are doing these things or saying these things, you know, like giving us a barrier to keep us from having the opportunity to witness. And so I think I think a lot of decisions that we need to make and we probably won't get into it today, all the different topics that we could in this area. But the decisions that we make, a lot of Christians make based on their preference, based on what they think is is right or wrong or what they personally want to do or not do. But do you stop and think about are you? Are you putting your preference above the opportunity to witness to someone who's lost that is a coworker or a neighbor or someone who just follows you on social media and sees your reaction and your response to some hot button topic and it just closes them off to listening to you um, any in the future? And so I, I think that's a lot of what is being said here in these two verses is like, listen, remind them, you know, that the way you respond to the government, the rate, the way that you respond when it comes to gossip and rumor and other things like that is a testimony to your faith and Mm -hmm. you need to be careful, you know, what you say.
1: Well, and you, you mentioned citizenship yesterday and I thought that was very timely for this text because as, as Christians, we do have a preeminent citizenship and that's the kingdom of heaven. King Jesus is our sovereign, but We're in a different position as Americans where we actually like our country. We and many yep. of them yep. reminisce yep. about the way may even the country used to be versus some of our other brothers and sisters around the world they don't like their country, they don't like their right. government right. and they feel you know the boot of that persecuting government over top of them. And so for them to feel more like pilgrims and sojourners in their in their home native country, it's easier for them than for a lot of Christians they've convoluted, we'll say political activism or cultural engagement or something like that with the kingdom of God. And it's like, no, the kingdom of God you know, separates you and then you're supposed to then return back yeah. to the culture to engage it, but not become part of it, not to integrate with it. And I, I don't know, like I always am struggling with that one with students because they so deeply want to be accepted by their peers in school. And so they're willing to do all sorts of outlandishly weird stuff just so sure. they can have sure. acceptance by their peers. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're asking the question and waving the flag like, okay, but all those things that you're, you're doing so that you can be accepted, are they Christian? Is that something that right. Jesus, your sovereign, right. Right. would want you to do? And, and there's this major tension that I'm yeah. yeah. constantly running into for students.
0: I had a conversation one time when I was in Cuba <clears throat> with a gentleman at an outdoor cafe. We and uh, and he told me, uh, he had a Cuban flag on his shirt. And he said, Pastor, I love my country. Mm-hmm. He said, I love what it was before Castro came. He said, I love being Cuban. I love my identity as a Cuban person. I'm not happy with where things are right now, mm-hmm. but I love my country. You know, so, and that kind of, you know, I mean, I had kind of gone in thinking, Oh, everybody here, it's like, it's almost like a prison island and they're all captive mm-hmm. and they really don't mm-hmm. want to be there. They love Cuba. They love mm-hmm. what the Cuban, you know, what the Cuban their nation culture and, home. and yeah. their culture is about. But they, you know, again, they, they lost that under under the, the regime that's there now. But it's just, you know, it, it was a really, it was a really interesting change of perspective for me. So I thought, man, that's, you know, I never would have thought about that. You know? mm-hmm. So... But,
2: uh, so we're not saying like that, because, again, I do, I do think some Christian believers, you know, they struggle with wanting to be a part of helping this country yeah. get where get back to what it was or to get in a, in a right place. You know, and so w- where is the balance between social activism, but still doing it in a way that is respectful and submissive? So that it doesn't affect our witness to a lost and dying world. I, that's that's a hard.
0: Yeah, and it is hard line because again, the, the, I think my, my fear is more. I see more people, uh, again, struggling with where is my truest allegiance? My mm-hmm. allegiance. You know, we, as Paul said, I am. a said, you know, Paul was a proud Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. Paul was pr- Paul was born into Roman citizenship. And he was proud of being a Roman. This was not something, you know, again, if you became a citizen of Rome, you either had to be born into it or you had to buy it, Mm -hmm. you know. And and a lot of the soldiers that fought for Rome weren't citizens of Rome. They couldn't afford it. Right. Or or they were not Roman-born, so Mm -hmm. they had to come up with whatever money they had to decide Mm -hmm. however much it cost to buy your citizenship. But, you know, this was something they worked for to be able to say, I'm now a citizen of Rome. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get there, yeah, I mean, you, that's that was a high-value thing. I mean, yeah. you just went, oh, I'm a Roman. right? But for Paul to be able to go from being, you know, a Jewish person who was also a Roman person, who was now also a citizen of heaven, he had, you know, he had three loyalties he had to kind of work through here. And it would be easy to fall back into any, you know, mm-hmm. one of those lower loyalties and—, and you know, for the sake of, well, this is where my, you know, my, my true patriotic duty is to defend Rome or is to make sure Judaism is prospering versus following Jesus, you know, and, and this is the questions that we have to answer now because we're gonna be fine, we're gonna find ourselves in a time
1: mm.
0: when we're gonna to have to make a decision, of, of we're gonna follow Jesus, or we're gonna follow the flag of any, of any country, whatever yeah. the country, you know, and it may not be possible to do both. Uh, And it certainly today is already not possible to do both in some nations. You cannot follow the flag of that nation and honor the flag of that nation and be a faithful Christian person, you know, Uh, and and it's, it's, you know, I think, you know, it's uh, any country, any government, any earthly government is susceptible to that possibility. That we could end up being a country that you know,
2: you know is, and we've seen this a lot, you know, over the last two or three years, you know, and I think any believer what they need to do, you know, is they need to, yeah, it's a hard line to figure out, but it's it's worth, you know, trying to figure it out, you know, and in areas that is not well, against and your causes, we have
0: to figure it out before we're in crisis over. Correct. We have to decide this is the um, way we're going to walk before the time comes that we have to stand and make right. a, a choice at a crossroad tell you know, I tell, tell students I,
2: I tell students all the time like you you've got to to do the work ahead of time to know what decisions you need to make in those moments because sometimes in those moments you you don't have time or the ability to can't work yeah. it out yeah so yeah. working out ahead of time you know yeah so what are what are those non-negotiables what are the things yeah. that and if it's not you know you mentioned the the traffic light illustration yesterday you know, sit at a traffic light for an extra minute or two. You know, uh, you know, do 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 whatever uh, is not against your conscience, right. but to show the the fellow citizens of your country that you are submissive to the authority, mm-hmm. understanding that ultimately God has allowed that government yeah. well, to be and, in place. And I
0: think, and this is good. I, I think the other piece of this too is we don't really fully understand how how a pagan world saw Christianity when it first began. Yeah. yeah, and and, I, and let me just put you guys. Let's just say you are Bill and Barry Pagan. Okay, so you're living in, your, in the neighborhood and moving into your neighborhood is this new family. And here is the reputation. Here's the rumor you've heard. Do you know those new people? Did you know they drink blood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know they eat people? Yep. Uh, and you know they're called Christos Christutes something. But they worship this God that was supposed to have died and is living again. And they gather together and they sing strange music and then they drink blood.
1: Oh yeah, It definitely sounds
0: very cultish. You want them in your neighborhood? You know? I mean, so, yeah. so this was what the early Christians were having to overcome. Oh, yeah. And this is why Paul was saying, listen, be careful. Don't, don't let people miss, don't, don't walk into their misconceptions of you. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't walk into their misconceptions that you are uh, a, a, you know, you're a person who is going to be rebellious against the government or, uh, you know, people that are going to cause all kinds of, you know, uh, again, you know, it's, and then there's still, I've got, uh, you know, I've taught I've heard people tell me before already in their neighborhoods, they have people, or they have they, they know of people who have tried to have a prayer meeting or even a church meeting in their home and the neighborhood got together and said, oh, yeah can't do that can't do that you know but again if you're it, what paul's saying here listen if you're the best neighbor in the neighborhood if you're obedient
1: mm-hmm.
0: now one of the places where i struggle with my hoa and thankfully they don't have police cars and traffic tickets, you know, because they, they're they busted me all the time because the speed limit's 15, and I'll drive 19 sometimes, you know. 19. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a, one of those. Because you're being guys, honest you know. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> so true rebel, rebel without a cause, you know. But, I you know, it's just that kind of thing. They get really upset. Oh, you know, we can't have all these cars speeding around here. Well, we're speeding. But anyway, but you you want to be obedient. I want to be a good neighbor. Yeah. It's not because I want to drive 15, but I want to be a good neighbor. I, you know, I don't want to accidentally hit somebody's dog. Mm-hmm. You know, and go to jail for it. You know, I mean, I don't want to. And and you know, I want to be courteous. And, and I want to be, even though sometimes I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. I want you know, we want to be courteous. We want to be, you know, we want to be kind. We don't want to be slanderers. We don't want to be tale bearers. We don't want to be gossipers. That's mm-hmm. not what you want coming out of your home. Yeah. Into, you know, this is the neighborhood going. This is the way the standards are. They do these things that. Don't, Paul's just saying, don't walk into their misconception. Don't fill out their outline of you as a crazy person that drinks blood and eats flesh and then does these weird, st- these weird things. And then on top of that, you're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. You're a terrible neighbor. You're a bad person to live by. You know, I, I mean, I love the fact that my neighbors on both sides of me like me, Yeah. you know? You know, one likes me better, but but they like me. You know, and, <laughs> they, and, and they and are. we get along. We have conversation. We meet. You know, and and if they're, you know, I've I've taken food. I mean, they've taken food to me. It's you know, it's it's not. You know, I, I want to be that person. I want to be a decent person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and some of this stuff is just Paul saying, just be nice. You know, yeah. nice is not a biblical word. Be kind. Yeah, to people. Yeah. You know, be obedient, Watch. You know, Courtesy. don't don't go outside. Don't don't see how close you can get to breaking the law, without mm-hmm. breaking it. Don't live on the edge. Uh, don't be that person. Don't again because the world has misconceptions of what you are already. If you do these things, yeah, you right. just validate yeah. their argument. Oh yeah. You see, that's what they mm-hmm. are.
1: So then, let me ask you a question, um, and I guess you can chime in on this as well. I feel like the generations above me, perhaps maybe mine as well, seem to be more angry Mm -hmm. about how the culture has shifted in America. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, so (laughs) like what what would you say to somebody? Because it's like, all right, so it says, um, speak evil Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. no one, Mm -hmm. avoid quarreling. Mm -hmm. Instead, be gentle Mm -hmm. and show perfect courtesy. So what do you say, though, to the person who remembers the day when the culture was, we would say, better, holistically, uh, leaned more towards the Christian values, yes. however you want to say that, mm-hmm. but now they've seen such the swing happen, mm-hmm. and now there's even maybe a perceived well, hostility towards it you know, us. my
0: problem that I see with, with people in my age group is that we see that, but what we're in love with and what we are reminiscing about is the way the culture was in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Leave my front door open. Mm-hmm. We had screen doors, and we'd leave our front doors open. We'd sit on the front porch and <clears throat> spend all night talking to our neighbors. Mm. Those were the days before air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, those, <laughs> you those, had to stay out. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, really. I, I mean, this was, listen. No, I grew up. I, I grew up in the. I grew up in a house without air conditioning, and when I moved out the year I moved out, my mom and dad got air conditioned. But anyway. Uh, but I mean, I was in that, you know, it was just now coming out. It was just mm-hmm. a big deal. Uh, and I remember sweltering. I mean, you just, you didn't want to go in the house. It was awful. I mean, it's like walking into a warming up oven. It was just terrible to wow. not be inside, you know. So we'd stay outside yeah. until it cooled down, you know, and then you'd have your windows wide open, bugs and stuff inside. But I mean, you'd open it up because that's just what you did. But, you kind of, you know, you get into now this new day when you've got the two things that are shutting down community in our homes, or our neighborhoods, are air conditioning, yeah. and and when we got air conditioning, we immediately saw a change in how people built their homes. People don't build homes with front porches anymore. They mm. don't need one. Yeah. You know, if you have a porch, it's usually a back porch because you can fence it in and lock it down, you know, and uh, so you got that, and you got garage door openers. Yeah. So you don't even have to get out of your car to say hi to a neighbor.
1: Yeah. pull in your
0: Roll in, shut the door, don't talk yep. to anybody. So I think there's some lament over losing that, yeah. losing that sense of community. We used to be together as a neighborhood. We used to be together as a community. We used to work together on things. We used to get together on projects. We used to help people that needed help. And, and, you know, and in a and way that
1: was probably even profitable for the church because yeah. it naturally forced the Christians to intermingle with non-Christians. Yeah, it it, well, it was easier
0: to do outreach because you had a network. You had yeah. you had relationships. But the other I mean that's a whole different conversation. But, but well, I mean that's important but, though yeah.
1: because now you got and I feel this even in my community, my I'm a brand new community, mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't I don't really know my neighbors yeah. because we all just go inside. No one plays out in the yard or anything like that. And so just having mechanisms like that to force us to be outside. Yeah. to interact yeah. with each other yeah. would be almost okay. beneficial well, to the gospel.
0: Pass a flyer around the neighborhood, and say, "Let's everybody uh-huh. shut your air conditioner down." Yeah, and well, obviously that's turning your work. garage door opener, and <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get back to the fifties. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, I, it, and it's true. You. you know, it's, it's <laughs>
2: definitely within within these generations a discussion <laughs> to have, but it's a it's a good reminder to us as Christians reading God's word that. Again, this has been 2,000 years. There's yeah, been lots yeah. of different yeah. cultures and lots of different generations and lots of different changes. And so th- there's nothing new under the sun. You know, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's a different argument. But, it, but,
0: it's, the same, but it, it's the same battle. The culture shifts, but we still have to, again, let me, let me go back to what I did do in the sermon. There, there are pathways and positions we need to take as we deal with relating to the culture. There's a posture that, that every church has, whether we've been to have it or not, it's, it's the one that we take. Uh, and, and you hear it, it gets communicated from the pulpit, it gets communicated from you know, the, the, the church paper, the church groups, everything else that goes on with the church that communicates with itself. And it either tells you, love your culture, fear your culture, hate your culture, uh, engage your culture, mm-hmm. be like your culture. There's all there's the messaging that's happening all the time. But, but I think and I am you know basing this a little bit off of, uh, off of an old book called Christ Culture by a Christian theologian, the, a theological sociologist uh, named Reinhold Niebuhr who wrote um, <coughs> wrote a book called Christ and Culture, how or, or Christ and the Center. Um, and, you know, he talks in that book about how the church relates. There's four different kind of points of relationship. And, um, and, and I bounced some of my thoughts off of his work, you know, in the message. But, uh, but he deals with the four postures being— um, uh, his, his, uh, B.A. Carson rewrote that, rewrote the, his book. And I, I would say, if you're going to read something— uh, Neighbor's book is smaller but it takes you longer to read than Carson's book. Carson's book is mm-hmm. bigger but it's a little bit more you know uh, Neighbor's book was coming out of World War II and how you know how people were dealing with culture then mm-hmm. so this is an updated version of of Reinhold Neighbor's work that Carson did. <clears throat> it's really good. It's it just it it's uh, not a quick read, and it's not a shallow read. You know. You Let's know, uh,
1: flash that up for the camera, yeah. 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 So Our the watchers, viewers, mm-hmm. listeners, yeah. Yeah. So. Dia, Carson, Christ, and culture right. revisited. Yeah,
0: but sure. uh, again, just uh, again, it's a it's a thoughtful book. It it really helps you think through how do we, how are we supposed to do this? But uh, you know, you're either in the world and against the world, or you're or you're in the world, and then you are retreating from the world, or you are in the world and you are compromising with the world and integrating it into your practice and your, you know, the the, the ideas and ideals of the world, uh, or you're in the world and you're a transforming agent of the world. Mm-hmm. You are salt and light, and you are transforming the world. So, what we want to shoot for is that fourth posture. We want to be. In the world as a transformative presence, we don't want to be in the world. We're not. You can't. Again, you cannot go through the funnel of this world and not touch the culture. You can't. You don't get to do that. Right. You just can't do that. Right. And um, and that is the struggle with with this whole positioning is how do we live in a culture, no matter how your culture looks, whether it is you are in the culture where you are completely you know, covered with tattoos and your hair's dyed and you have, you know, and you know, you're know, you in that particular culture or you're in what we would call a comfort, you know, more comfortable culture for us, you know, where we are in, in Fruit Cove, how do we live in the Fruit Cove's culture? Fruit, how does Fruit Cove's culture affect mm-hmm. you? Yeah. How does it affect how you think? It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not theological. It just affects, the, you're in the, this culture, so you are imbibing of this culture in some way shape or form you know oh, yeah. it's affecting you it's pulling you along um, and and uh, you know some some folks that are missionaries personally you know it's it's interesting for them to walk into this culture oh yeah from,
1: we, we were talking about that actually late into the night um, last night they're hanging out with us and um, it, it was interesting uh, he was saying so the most interesting thing is that um, We have, you know, he has electricity, but everyone around him for the most part, they still cook over open fire because that's traditionally what they did. But in order to get your fire going, you need, you know, something to start it with. Mm -hmm. And so what everybody does is they they all have this like little pot and they just walk around like, hey, do you have any coals? Thanks. Mm -hmm. And they'll just like pass it over walls, over fences, (laughs) through each other's (laughs) windows. And it's like someone's got a coal. And it's like, and they said it's very typical for a child to be walking down the road with this little pot of coals. So you can cook, so you can start your family meal, and so things like that, we don't see that in our culture anymore. Like, I don't see a lot of cross blending and stuff like that. Like the, to me, for so let's say Fruit Cove. That's why I do a lot with schools and campus ministries, because that seems to be the hub for our culture, where everybody kind of has some sort of point of contact, and so you know, let's say we've got someone who's not from our church or. Or at a different church, different community, I would be like, find those hubs, find those points of contact in your culture and just kind of sit in that hub and just be there and be present and be active because God's going to give you opportunities, you know, to do stuff like that. So, but yeah, walking around with the coals and passing it through windows and stuff, I was like, that's pretty fun. Like, <laughs> I was like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I just go ask for coals. I was like, but you don't need coals. He's like, that's right. I don't need coals. I just I just go because I want to hang out.
0: <laughs> it's a, well, it's a, it's a conversation starter. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's a fire starter, but a conversation starter too. How do we how do we do that? But uh, so each each of the positions, you know, when you whether you are taking the position of being in the world or the culture, um, but opposing it. So so you're always John Dickerson uh, in. Uh, I believe it was the Great Evangelical Recession, Recession mm-hmm. wrote that, that you as a church are either going to major on admonition or mission in the world. Mm-hmm. You're either going to admonish the world, you're going to be con- continually being critical of mm. and speaking out against the culture in the world, or you're going to be on mission to see how you're going to try to reach the world. And and of course, you know, he's advocating the mission path versus you know the, the admonition. But he said, most churches, you know, we lock ourselves up and then we just preach to you know we preach yeah. to people that aren't there. Yeah. And we tell the people that are there how terrible the people that are not there are. Wow. Uh, we admonish mm. the church. We admonish the world, but we do it through our church people. So we load them up mm-hmm. with with this negative, this anti-cultural perspective in an effort to say, don't let the don't let the culture pollute you. But if you know the the danger of that is that you are so separate from the culture that you can't touch the culture Mm -hmm. and infect it with salt and light. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's there's a tension. So so
2: you're (laughs) saying verse two when it says to speak evil of no one, Mm -hmm. to avoid quarreling and be that's not just talking about just gossip and rumor amongst uh, people that know each other. I think you, think you, you mean we're supposed to not. Yeah, no, like I watch our mouths when yeah, we talk. I,
0: I think. I, well, I mean, you know, you can go that. You can go all the way to the top and say, yeah. "Okay, what does that say about how we relate to our boss,
2: uh-huh. our teacher, yeah. Yeah.
0: our uh, our spouse, our uh, spiritual leaders, our government leaders? Government leaders. Mm-hmm. How do we? Yeah. How you know? Are we known for speaking evil of people? And 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 honestly, some churches are known for speaking. I mean, they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they see that as their as they're calling is, you know, well, I'm going to tell people what is. You know, yeah. this is, these people are wrong. You're, I'm profit,
2: know, I'm profit. You know,
0: and there's that yeah. kind of, there's that kind of mentality that some people have that is really, really cancerous. You know, it's a mm-hmm. real negative thing. Um, so yeah, it's that, but it's also, I mean, I, I, you know, kind of spun it a little bit more toward the internet because that's, you know, I think more, more where those kind of things are, carried yeah. today than just in conversation. I think people are shooting at each other.
1: Well, that was some research that came out of the whole 2020 pandemic. And <clears throat> yeah. and I remember, was it like three or two or three episodes, we had someone say, like, all right, what are some things that are different now yeah. than what they yeah. were? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's, uh, the, the word that was coined was inhibitionism, hmm. where... You like because you're talking to the screen. You're typing to the screen yes, instead yes. of face to face. Oh, I'll roast you yeah. on on Facebook. And, and yeah. but I would never say that to your face no, about exactly. your kids or yeah. something like that. I would never say something like yeah. that to your face. But family. on social media, I will rip you to shreds. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this distrust of each other because you'll you'll really say something that's very condescending, very sharp, biting online. So now we can't have face to face conversations because I don't trust you anymore, because I see you. Not just, maybe it's never even directed at me, maybe it's always about somebody else. I'm like, well, if he'll roast that guy, he'll definitely eat me alive. Mm -hmm. And so now there's this further separation among affinity groups and stuff like that. And so that was, I can't remember who did that research, but I remember finding that just fascinating. And, you know, that's where it's like, you know, speak evil of no one. It means no one. It means, like, not just the people Within the church, it's outside of the church. It's people that you don't even agree with. You know, just don't if you know if you don't and have I, anything I, nice to say. I think people again, people it.
2: need to remember where does that come from, right? I mean, obviously, the the, the, the feel like the need to roast someone or attack someone or um, again, you you can have a view that I don't like the way that this boss, this teacher, this government leader, you know, I don't agree with them. But this passage is saying how you speak to them and about them needs to be in a way that is that respect, honor, respectful, respectful yeah. and honors Christ. Yeah. And so, but where does that come from? You know, I think I think in a lot of cases this comes this comes back to the core of what we've all experienced, even growing up as children and teenagers. That well, if somebody does something to hurt you, you know, then back. Yeah. come back at them. Yeah. You know, and. I mean, you know, we need to teach. We need to teach our children. We need to to teach our adults. Like, listen, the, the way you respond to someone is not, you know, to attack them back, you know, but it is to respond to them in love. And, and yeah, maybe you speak up in a respectful way and say, yeah. I, I respectfully disagree. Yeah. But, you know, to, to just come at them attacking them physically, verbally is just not the way yeah. that God would want us to do that. But I feel like. In our
1: culture, the option of respectfully disagreeing is not an <laughs> That's option what I anymore. Said at the beginning. Yeah, it's it's, it's like like you know like we went through courses on how to how to present a logical argument, you know, as part of like our degrees and research and stuff like that. You don't have to do that anymore. All you have to do is just attack people better than everybody else, well,
0: and then you and win we, the You know, again, I think this is what we see a lot of times. We find ourselves trying to. We're trying to argue logically. Sometimes I see this online in conversations. You know, Somebody's trying to argue logically with a person who has felt their way emotionally into their position. Yeah. yeah. When you have a position, and, and again, we are being taught how to hold contrary positions in our... We're, we're, we're being uh-huh. taught how to hold contradictory positions in our mind. That's a woman, but we're supposed to call... The woman a he, mm-hmm. or them, the and head. and yeah. the problem is your children mm-hmm. are normalizing into that. Mm-hmm. That's that's just no, that. Of course you do. Yeah. That's 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 their preferred pronoun. They want to be known as a he, even though, but it's a woman. Doesn't matter. You refer to the woman as a he. That's a contradiction. That's a logical contradiction. Yeah, it's a logical fallacy. Yeah. Your your mind goes what? You know, yeah. Your mind knows better, but. Again, your emotions are, well, this is what we have to do now. Again, we go back to that one, well, to be nice. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. So, is, is, so, and I don't know if we have time for it, but I we really don't. But minutes, if so you like. can just quickly respond to that comment. All right, so if that's, say, the logical fallacy, mm-hmm. but how do you address it logically if you said they emotionally felt their way into that yeah. position? Yeah. How do you talk to that person? Well,
0: again, there's a. I mean, a part of that is a. you put a period at the end of that statement. You can't. You know, they have, they have felt their way into this. They feel this is the right thing. Well, I don't care. You know, I was reading a, a, an economic article from, a, from an, econ, an economics professor who was talking to a young lady about, you know, and her position about uh, believing that, you know, America was built on slave labor and therefore we should, you know. And, and so they were arguing that issue. They were talking about that issue. And he was, you know, trying to walk her logically along a path that she was not buying. She mm-hmm. because, well, I just feel like, and he kept saying, "You keep saying you feel like this. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. do you think?" Yeah. Well, that that doesn't matter. This is how I feel. Yeah. So, in other words, today it doesn't matter what logic is. What matters is your heart is saying this. This is what your heart tells you. This is right. right. So therefore, so we become. We, we, you know, there was a day that you said, well, I don't really care how you feel. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, this is what's right because right. this is what makes sense. You know, this right. is logic. It's this logical. is common sense. But everything in us is now saying logic and common sense just don't work. They, they don't apply. So Yeah, so, so
1: I guess my question is then, like, and I'm sorry if I'm belaboring this, but Like, okay, for that person who's deviated from the logical, we'll just say the gospel. Like Mm -hmm. if this is, you know, the accepted doctrine Mm -hmm. and they've deviated emotionally, they felt their way into that. Can you walk them back to it logically or do you have to walk them back emotionally?
0: Well, I mean, that's going to depend on the person and depend on you. Mm-hmm. and how you enter the conversation if but I do think you have to start where they are mm-hmm. you cannot expect them to start where you are mm-hmm. so to start where they are you have to try to understand okay I get how you're feeling and I and and, I, and, and I'm sure if I had had a common experience with you I would feel the same way that mm-hmm. you do but here's the, can't you see how is there you know you almost have to wake up mm-hmm. the, a mind and just yeah. say don't you understand yeah. that what you're saying?
2: Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Right.
0: Yeah. But well, again, anymore, what makes sense well, is uh,
2: or or go, go at it from a different angle. Whatever the the hot button topic is, find out some other heart issue. Like yes. go yeah. to some yeah, other yeah, like heart said, issue. Yeah. Economic. Well, you don't want to yeah. come.
0: What you don't want it is you don't want to come across as hard hearted. And I don't really care how you feel. This is you know I'm going to tell you right. I'm going to come down on you. I'm going to tell you what I think and what I believe. Versus. Uh, you know, versus trying to go, okay, I want to try to feel what you feel. feeling. I want to understand what you're, how you got here. But you kind of got to go back into the cave with them a little bit and then walk them out. You can't just go, hey, come out here in the light right. and let's have a conversation. No, no I'm mm-hmm. going to stay here in the cave with my feelings.
1: But that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so good for Christians to understand. You've got to go into the cave with them. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to come out to you, right, right. and I think that's important. Good.
0: That's a good place to stop. Let's go, <laughs> there. Let's go ahead and end there. Uh, that makes sense to me to stop there. So, Anyway, we're glad you were along. Thank you for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, if you have any thoughts, we'd love to hear from you, so please uh, email us at, what are we emailing now? Dan at fruitcove.com. Dan at fruitcove.com. <laughs> okay. He'll be glad to get your emails, but thanks for joining us today.